Do you like this show and want to help support us? Want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And coming to you from an undisclosed location, <laughs> Derek Diamond. Uh, if you need help, um, just blink and Morse code, and we will send the A-team. <laughs> blink once for yes, twice for no. Yeah, if you're watching on the Twitch stream or the YouTube video, Derek looks like he's in a, a darkened... Uh, um, haunted house or something right now. Well, I just don't want people to see my living room and just the, the poor state that it's in right now. So no, I've, I've moved my setup for now into my living room just because I now have that option. And plus I can actually like do work, watch TV and all that fun stuff. So, um, the setup is probably temporary, but it's a cool running gag for right now. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's the, good with me. I mean, the, the between this and Owen Wilson, we should be good for a while. Oh, we got BJ Wanlin up in the chat room right now. It says, uh, looking Sweet. good, y'all. Sorry, I am from the South, so I will toss out random y'alls, shugs, and huns. <laughs> y'all. Y'all. <laughs> I try to keep my y'alls to a minimum. I like to say you guys. Take a little, little, a little cue from Joey Image. Well, here's an interesting story. So when I was a kid and even into high school, I had a really bad Southern accent. Mm, me too. And when I when I got to college, I got called out on it constantly. So I put forth the actual effort to uh, to hide it. And I, I feel like I've done okay with it every now and then. Like when I get upset or something, it comes out. But mm -hmm. I really try my best to, to it, not uh, it comes sound out like I am a... When I get around, diehard like, fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh yeah, like I get I get around like family and stuff, and then it starts to like crawl out. Yeah, of me. same thing happens with me too. And I always think that I've gotten rid of my Southern accent until like we talk to other people from other parts of the country, like on the show. Every time we have uh, Scott Johnson or Tom Merritt or somebody on, they're like, "Man, I love you guys' accents." I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. And that's when we feel like failures. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready to get into the news unless you have some uh, anything you want to throw out there before we go into the news segment for tonight's show. I'm just excited to hear about this first story. Oh, God. <laughs> do, do I have to? Oh, here we go. Let me hold a little play. There you go. If you watch Twitter today, Mr. Toad was twending, was trending on Twitter today. Uh, do I even want to talk about this? Like, uh, okay, Mario Kart I feel and like Toad we have to. were trending on Twitter today, and this is on heavy.com slash news. Uh, Mario Kart and Toad were trending on Twitter Tuesday morning, but uh, for a very unconventional reason that it all ties back to Stormy Daniels and President Donald Trump's penis. In her new tell-all book, Full Disclosure, Stormy Daniels offers graphic details about her alleged affair with Trump, uh, 
In this one section of the book, she discusses the time Trump's bodyguard invited her to dinner, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she then goes to say that Trump's penis was smaller than average, but not freakishly small. Uh, says, like, a, uh, he knows he has an unusual penis. It has a large mushroom head like a toadstool. I lay there annoyed that I was getting by a guy with Yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character Mario Kart. I, I'm, I'm out. Show's over. Done. I'm out. Bye, Derek. No, no. She went on to, she went on to say it may have been the least impre- impressive sex I'd ever had, but clearly he didn't share that opinion. We are earning that little red E on iTunes. <laughs> now I'm never going to be able to play Mario Kart or Super Mario Brothers Two <coughs> nope. ever again without nope. picturing Donald Trump's penis. So uh, thank you, Stormy Daniels, for ruining. Everything for me. Shout out to Stormy. Yes. If that is your real name. This this is the last episode of Nerd Cave Retro. Hope you guys enjoyed our run of 101 episodes. I'm done. <laughs> well, we made it to 100, so that's that's what counts. Yeah. No, but a little side note about this. So I got a text from someone saying, look up why Mario Kart is trending on Twitter. So look it up on my phone, and I pull up. It, it wasn't from this site, but it was from a... Uh, a similar one and I was just reading it like I'm not reading it out loud but then I'm just like oh my god and my boss looks at me and he says what and I said so one of my friends just texted me and said you know check out why Mario Kart's trending on Twitter so he's like oh okay so he starts to type it in Google I'm like no <laughs> don't use the work computer I will just read it to you and he said pretty much the same thing. He's like, you know, I liked Mario Kart as a kid, but you know, now not so much. <laughs> you blow it! <laughs> <laughs> Let's please move on to the next story, please. <laughs> oh, sure. So uh, this comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Switch eShop maintenance scheduled for this evening. Nintendo online service ready to go. Yes. Nintendo. Nintendo has revealed that the Switch eShop will be undergoing maintenance later this evening in North America or the wee hours of the morning in Europe. We know that's not quite the exciting news you usually expect to see on these pages, but bear with us. As you can probably guess, this maintenance is taking place in order to kickstart the Nintendo Switch online service. Current online functionalities on the console will be unavailable for up to three hours with the brand new paid-for service and the recently revealed 6.0.0 system update presumably taking its place immediately afterwards. I feel like this has kind of gone under the radar because, you know, we talked about it months ago on the show, but we haven't really heard anything other than, oh, shit, it's coming out this week. Yeah. Because well, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't really thought about this in like a month, closer to two months. Well, it was supposed and then, to of course, released... you read that. Hmm? Oh, I was going to say it was supposed to be released a few weeks ago, actually, but the, uh, Japan got hit by like a tsunami or something like that and uh, pushed everything back a week or two. Yeah, because they delayed the the newest Nintendo Direct as well. Yeah. Because of it. But um, actually, I- as we record this, Nintendo Switch Online should be available. Uh, let's see. 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time which is uh, 7 o'clock here, uh, 8 yep, p.m. So Eastern. It be so, up. Yeah, it should be up as, we're, as we speak. So if you're watching us right now and you have a Switch, why are you watching us? Go play Switch online. Actually, no, stay here and watch the rest of the show. <laughs> I still say that 
for 20 bucks a year is an insane deal. Oh, I'm I'm definitely doing it. Uh, if I don't do it tonight, it'll probably be Friday before I have time to be able to uh, mess with it. So, um, don't I'm you mean go Friday? Friday fr- on Friday, I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be good to go and uh, playing me some uh, uh, old Nintendo games on the Switch. We'll see how that works. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I, I want to report on that as soon as possible. Absolutely. Uh, one more Switch-related story. Um, I don't want to see an ad, TechSpot. Thank you. No thanks. Uh, from TechSpot.com, Sega Genesis Classics Bundle arrives on the Nintendo Switch this winter. Uh, a collection of Sega Je- Sega's classic Genesis games have been available on other platforms for a while, but they'll finally be making their way to the Switch in December, complete with modern upgrades like online multiplayer and save functionality. That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. The aptly named Sega Genesis Classics Bundle, known as the Mega Drive Collection in Europe, packs several fan favorites including Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog Streets of Rage, Toe Jam & Earl, and Virtual Fighter 2, just to name a few. I can't wait for this. Uh, let's see. Some of the some of the games that are coming out for it is uh, Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle, Alien Soldier, Alien Storm, Altered Beast, uh, Columns, Comic Zone, Decap Attack, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, uh, Golden Axe 1, 2, and 3, Gunstar Heroes, Kid Chameleon, Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4, uh, Shinobi 3, Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 2, Sonic 3D Blast, Sonic Pinball, Sonic Spinball, Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3, uh, Revenge of Shinobi, Tojam and Earl, and Tojam and Earl and Panic on Funkatron, and of course Virtua Fighter 2, Vector Man 1 and 2, lots of good, cool games coming for this, so I'm very excited for this. Yeah, I am too. There's actually a couple of games, just to name a couple off the top of my head, uh, Altered Beast, Vector Man, <clears throat> are games that you know I've thought about reviewing on this show so yeah. since this is going to be released for the switch definitely going to get it well that's definitely going to bump up our uh, genesis uh reviews on the game when this on the show when this finally comes out yeah people get to stop hearing me talk about sonic games yeah stop talking about nintendo for a while we love you nintendo <laughs> but there are other consoles out there we need to get to this is very oh, yeah. true <laughs> but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history uh, let me pull it up in the Google Doc here. In September of 1981, Namco releases Galaga, the sequel to Galaxian, which becomes more popular than the original. I love Galaga so much. Isn't that the game with the little yellow ball where you eat the pellets and yes, chase yes, the ghosts? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Galaga's great. I mean, it's one of the most iconic video games of all time. So, you know, who who hasn't at least heard of Galaga? I wouldn't mind getting a Galaga machine to have in the house. That'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. That would be great. Also in September of 1981, Wizardry is the first in a computer role-playing franchise that eventually spans eight games. Never heard of Wizardry. Uh, I haven't either. I, I was going to look this up, but uh, let's see. Let's go to Wikipedia. Wizardry. Uh, I ooh, I recognize the font. Um, is there says here? Nope. It was an influence on early console role playing games such as Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior. Hmm. I wonder if this was um a, a mud like there weren't weren't any uh, graphics. It was just kind of like a text based adventure. Yeah, there were eight games in the series. Wow. 
I, I've, I've seen this this uh, logo before. I just I, I don't recognize the game. It was kind of those kind of games were kind of before my time around then. Yeah, the most recent one came out in two thousand one. Oh wow! Uh, in September twenty fourth of nineteen eighty two, Namco releases Pole Position, one of the first games with stereophonic and quadraphonic sound, featuring a pseudo three D third person rear view perspective. It becomes the most popular racing game of its time. I love Pole Position. I know of it, never played it. Really. This was always one of the staples of arcades back when I was a kid. And, of course, uh, always had these in um, Pizza Huts, too. Love Pizza Hut. I miss Pizza Hut the way it used to be when I was a kid. I remember getting like the little little personal pizzas. Yep. <laughs> always, got, always got pepperoni. But, uh, no, that, that was one, like, I know of the game, you know, just through research and whatnot, but never never played it. Uh, also in September of 1982, Sega releases Maze Game Pingo, starring a cute penguin. Uh, uh, I will be. About th- I yeah, he I, is pretty adorable. I think I remember us talking about this last year. We, we're starting to rehash some of the uh, this game, this month in video game history at this point. <laughs> starting to recognize. I will say, stuff. in our defense, there are some months that are pretty light. Like August, yeah. I think July and August are pretty light. Um, most of the time, yeah, and then of course, like. Some of the some of the months like March and April are pretty dry too, especially like back in the eighties, because most games are were released either in the summer or in Christmas. Yeah, so December will have zero problems. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in September of nineteen ninety one, S three launches with the eight six C nine eleven, often regarded as the first significant graphics accelerator chip for the Microsoft Windows platform. Never heard of it. Me neither, but figured it was relevant. Cool. Uh, (laughs) September 1st, 1992, Domark releases Championship Manager for the Amiga and Atari ST. Never heard of this. Let's see what this has to offer. The most realistic football management simulation ever. Wow. Oh, I bet this is like the... When did that come out? It was either the early or the mid-2000s. They did an NFL head coach game where you actually did more of the coaching aspect mm. instead of actually like playing as the football team, which yeah. had zero appeal to me. Yeah, sports simulators are the most boring games on the planet. I still enjoy a good WWE game. Yeah, those are good. Uh, Also, on September 24th of 1992, SNK releases Art of Fighting for the Arcades. Let me look this up. I don't remember this game. This looks like um, definitely a um, Street Fighter ripoff. I like the cover art. I actually like it a lot. Yeah, it's definitely 90s, though. Early 90s. Oh, for sure. I think that's why (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Uh, and to close out this month in video game history, in September of 1995, Rayman, a side-scrolling platform video game developed by UB Pictures and published by Ubisoft. The first installment of the Rayman series, the game follows the adventures of Rayman, a hero who must save his colorful world from the evil Mr. Dark. Originally designed for the Atari Jaguar, I've never heard of that. In 1995, a PlayStation version was developed and released around the same time, and further ports were created for MS-DOS and Sega Saturn in 1996. You don't remember the Atari Jaguar? 
I do not. That was a me... very short-lived console. Uh, Sounds like it. Let's see. It was... Oh, I know what this thing is. Yeah. I've seen this before. I just didn't recognize the name. This yeah, was I've, Atari I've jumping into the uh, the 16-bit era, but it Yikes. really... It, it was dead on arrival. Like, like most of Atari stuff after... You know, the video game crash of 83. Atari just couldn't get their footing. And, um, yeah, this thing was $250 when it came out. It was introduced in North America November 23rd, 1993. And $250, I mean, you could go get a Super Nintendo or a Genesis for less than 200 at that point. You know, uh, why would you spend 250 on an Atari Jaguar? And, let's see, there was said something about those. Only, like... How many games was... Uh, it sold no more than 250,000 units before it was discontinued in 96. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo was firing on all cylinders at that point, and you had the Genesis. So this, this thing really had no shot. But I, I will say I've briefly played Rayman. I did for uh, PS1, and there was, I think, Rayman Legends for the Wii U or some other system around that time. Yeah. Uh, Rayman's pretty good. You know, it, I, I do like a good platform and it's, it's not a terrible game, but there were just so many games that I was into as a kid that, you know, I just, I kind of had to pick and choose while, and while I liked Rayman, there were other games that I liked more. They still make Rayman games, don't they? Uh, mm-hmm. Cause the last one I remember was Rayman and raving rabbits. Or something that came out, I think it was for the Wii. Oh, yeah, that's right. But that's the last one I remember. I don't know if they make anything new. They haven't made one since then, I don't think. Hmm. I don't know. Rayman seemed like a pretty cool uh, concept, like uh, like a good mascot type of character. So, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe they'll bring him back and stick him on the Switch. I think that would be a very smart move. But what we're going to do this week for the next two shows, um, we decided to kind of forego doing any reviews for right now since me and Derek are both uh, a little bit busy, got a lot of stuff going on in the personal life. We wanted to do this for episodes 98 and 99 leading up to 100, but <laughs> yeah, when we see everything kind of went to shit for a little while for me. So what we're going to do is over the next two episodes, this episode, Derek is going to be doing his top 10 retro game list. Next week, I'll be doing mine. Um, and I know top 10 lists are always kind of cliche and everybody does their own top 10 list, but we haven't done one yet. So if you don't like top 10 lists, go screw you and <laughs> don't listen. So we're going to do it anyway. So Derek, please get started on your top 10 list. <clears throat> so I'll start off with my honorable mentions. Uh, these are all games that I very much enjoy, but they just barely missed the cut. For the Super Nintendo, I had Super Metroid, which to me, to this day, is still the greatest Metroid game oh, of all yeah. time. Um, I put Metroid Prime at a close second, but Super Metroid was just so good. Um, Super Mario Kart, I mean, it started one of if not the greatest racing franchise of all time. I, I will say the SNES version doesn't hold up as well as you would think. Yeah, it's a little tough to control, you know? Yeah, I, I that was one of the first games I played when I got the SNES Classic, and I was like, 
Yikes. Well, yeah, I kind of did the same thing. There's a game that's on my list that I've always touted as one of my favorite games of all time. But I've bumped it to a runner-up position off the top 10 because the platform I played it on, the Nintendo 64, doesn't hold up. And that really dings it. So it's actually, I'm not going to say what it is, but there is a remake of it coming very soon that I'm very excited yes. about. Yes. And my last uh, SN, well, I got two more SNES games. Super Mario RPG, very underrated game. But I've already got like three RPGs on my top ten list, so this was the one that kind of got left out. Yeah. Um, introduced some cult classic characters in the Mario universe, like Mallow and Geno, that people actually really want in uh, the new Smash Brothers. Don't think that's going to happen, but it would still be kind of cool. But it's a very fun RPG. It's the perfect balance of that Final Fantasy turn-based RPG and including the Mario charm and humor story into uh, into the fold. I actually have and a then, ROM of it that I've been wanting to play, and I haven't gotten around to it yet. I want to. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I think you would like it. It's a very good game. And then Mortal Kombat. You know, I played it for the Super Nintendo. Still my all-time favorite fighting game. A lot of people will tout Street Fighter, and I don't knock that, but I grew up with Mortal Kombat, so... That's kind of what does it for me. Uh, Mario 64, which might shock a lot of people. I, I do like Mario 64 a lot. But there are some other Mario games that are better. Yeah. One one which is fairly high on my list, and you can probably figure out which one that is. I think, that, I think most of the games that I liked on the Nintendo 64 just really... A lot of people love the Nintendo 64. I still love the Nintendo 64, but it's so hard to go back and play because of that controller. It, it just it kills it for me. I'm actually a little surprised at lately how much love the N64 has been getting. Well, it's because like it, it's the, been it's been insane. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because the kids that you know grew up with it are of the age now that they have. D you know, disposable income, much like we yep. do with the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. So I predict in the next couple of years, the the, the price of all the Nintendo and Super Nintendo stuff is going to start coming down, and the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1 and 2 stuff are going to start skyrocketing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then my last runner-up is Crash Bandicoot 2 for the original PlayStation Underrated franchise, I wish it would go back to how it used to be. I thought it was really cool that they did the the Insanity Collection, uh, which recently came out on the Switch, so I need to get it for that just because I play the Switch way more than I do my PlayStation. Though I, I do really want to play that new Spider-Man game. Yeah, me too. Looks, I, I almost it looks got so it the good. other day, and I was like, no, I, I need to save my money. Because I really yeah. want the Nintendo uh, online when it comes on, so... That's yep. what I'm spending my extra little video game money on this week. <laughs> That's a smart move. So now actually going into my list, coming in at number 10 for the Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I mentioned this when I did my original review. Sonic 1 was a great foundation for this franchise, but I feel like the sequels are just so much better because the graphics are a little brighter, a little bit more crisp. I think they hold up a little better. Um, the music is better. 
the addition of new moves from Sonic, the inclusion of Tails and Knuckles. But Sonic 2 has always been my favorite just because I love every single zone that you play through. There's not really a thing about this game that I don't like. All the music fits its level. It's such a simple game that really anybody can pick it up and figure out the concept in 10 seconds. Well, if there's anything that could have gotten me to, like, it was the Sonic games that really made me question whether or not to get a Genesis or a Super Nintendo when I was a kid. Like, I loved Nintendo, but before the Super Nintendo came out, you know, Genesis beat the Super Nintendo by like two years. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'm playing Nintendo, but I go over to a friend's house that had a Sega Genesis, and of course he had Sonic the Hedgehog. And it was so bright and colorful, and like the music is just so catchy and just great. And that gameplay still holds up to this day. And I think they should stop trying to make Sonic into a 3D world and stick to what makes Sonic great fast gameplay, you know, side scrolling, like just crazy, like combos and all the different stuff that you can do in that world. And I think that they would have a shot at making like Sonic, you know, a huge franchise again. I mean, maybe not huge, but. You know, maybe, you know, if they did it on the Switch and did it right, I mean, it would be up there with, you know, Zelda and Super Mario games. I mean, it would be right up there with those if they just did it right. Well, they they did do it right with Sonic Mania Mm -hmm. when it came out, I think, last year or it might have been 2016. Uh, It's actually a game that I'm going to review fairly soon because I recently beat it. It plays exactly like the old Genesis games. It does have the inclusion of some new characters that have different move sets, and that kind of makes the gameplay a little different, but not so different. Because like with the the 3D games, if you go through a, a world as Sonic, you know, you obviously just run right through it. Yeah. Not much to it. With Tails, there's a and really Knuckles too, you, there's a little bit more of a cerebral aspect to it. It's not that fast moving you know, just constant go, 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 go feel that you have when you play a Sonic game. Uh, so that 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 aspect does stay regardless of what character you play as. Uh, there are differences, but they're very subtle, which yeah. I think is great. Um, coming in at number nine is Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64. I remember to this day seeing that commercial for the first time with the you know, the giant Mario, Donkey Kong, Yoshi, and a fourth character that I can't remember. And then the <laughs> four of them just start beating the crap out of each other. And I'm seeing, you know, Mario fight Link and Pikachu fight Samus. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest game of all time. <laughs> I remember those and, commercials too. Oh, the commercial was so good. The sequels are better, of course, but... You know, the, you, you got to go back with the first one. You know, the, it's top three to top five favorite N64 game for me just because of the the fun that I had with friends playing it in high school. Number eight is Donkey Kong Country 2 for Super Nintendo. Donkey Kong Country was great. It was a little bit revolutionary with the graphics with almost the painting style yeah. backgrounds and the two and a half D look to it, the catchy music and everything. They still look so good. I don't know how they got Mm -hmm. games to look that good on that platform. Yeah. 
But the the sequel to me, again, like Sonic 2, just took what was great about Donkey Kong Country 1 and made it better with, you know, the inclusion of Dixie Kong, um, different animal buddies that you could ride, more... There was level variety in Donkey Kong Country 1, but I feel like the variety in 2 was a little bit better. The gameplay is very similar, but Donkey Kong Country 2 just barely edges out the first one for me. Number 7 is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. No, we've both you know, proclaimed our undying love yeah. for everything Ninja Turtles related. <laughs> I mean, even in my recording room, I've got the poster of the original movie. It even says... Available on video cassette. Yes. <laughs> at the bottom of it, for those who don't know what those are. Um, you know, playing the old arcade game, I remember playing this in the mall and in the, the Chuck E. Cheese. And it was my favorite game to play in either of those establishments. And this game plays exactly like the arcade game, and it's just so much fun, especially if you have friends to play with. I did a stream of it a couple of months ago. I think it's still on my YouTube page. I, I don't, I didn't get very far into the game, but it's. I love this game. I mean, it. It's if you're going for like one of the best turtles video games, like this is it. This is the game that's like one of the best. Oh, for sure. For sure. I wish they would make a, maybe not a, a remake, but some type of Ninja Turtles game similar in that style of gameplay. Yeah. I think it'd be great. Number six, Secret of Mana for Super Nintendo. This is one of the RPGs that's on my list. It was kind of a, an obscure title. I don't even remember how I discovered it. It was probably in Nintendo Power, because I remember they had the dragon on the cover of it. And I remember thinking that was really cool. And just reading about it, it just sounded like a lot of fun. And it was the first game, I think, to incorporate a three-player system. So you had to get the adapter to plug into your Super Nintendo so you could actually play as all three characters if you had you know two people to play with. Um, great story. Uh, easy to follow. Gameplay is simple. Characters are great. There's... There's a lot of charm and humor, but also kind of a very dark and, well, I'll say very dark, but it, it had an ending that shows that victories are not without its sacrifices. Yeah. You know, so my it, it kind of it kind of hit home a bit. You know, my only problem with this game was the cover art was just not aesthetically oh, the, pleasing. Oh, with the giant tree? Yeah, it just didn't look... Like, there was nothing about the cover that made me go, ooh, I want to play this game. It was just kind of bland. And I think that I, that worked against them for this game. I think this game could have been much bigger if they'd have had better cover art. I don't disagree with that. I mean, the mana tree is very important in the game, but I feel like if you would use the dragon like it was on the cover of Nintendo Power, yes, I think that would have had a much better appeal to it. Yeah, I mean, that was... You know, it's not like back then, it's not like it is today. You couldn't go online and see, you know, gameplay trailers or anything like that. You had to rely on box art, pictures of the game on the back of the box, and whether or not you had a subscription to Nintendo Power on what games you were going to get. Or 
you went and rented a game that you know on over the weekend, and if you liked the game, then you went and bought it. But this was one of those games that I always saw the box art for it everywhere, like at the store, you know, at at Blockbuster or wherever I rented games from at the time. And box art was a huge part of whether or not I would rent something. And you know, some of the time the box art was make me rent a game that sucked of course because the box art because a lot of times the box art would be great but the game would be horrible but then you have something like this where the game is great but the box art is just kind of meh yeah no i i don't disagree with you on that all right so moving into the top five number five is banjo kazooie for the nintendo 64 I'm going to disappoint a little, uh, most, most if not all, the Mario 64 fans. To me, Banjo-Kazooie is the perfect 3D platformer. <gasps> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, no, it, it took elements from Mario 64, it. but... <laughs> no, I did not blow it. Um, it took elements from Mario 64, of course, but it had great characters an easy story to follow um gruntilda was a funny villain the collectibles were great there there were a lot of collectibles but to me there were just enough where it didn't seem like excess amount yeah great level variety fun music uh robin beanland did a great job composing as he did with pretty much all the rare titles I don't know, it's just, and Banjo and Kazooie are two, they're an odd couple type of characters that just play off each other so well, and it's its just a fun game to play. And I, this is one that, if I had the time, I would play through this game like hmm. once every year. Yeah, I have like it, it's, it's a couple that games game. like that on my list too. Games that I can literally play just over and over again. Yeah. Number four is Earthbound. For the Super Nintendo, my all-time favorite RPG. This was another one I want to say I discovered it in Nintendo Power, and I was just much like the opposite of Secret of Mana. The box art drew me in because it had the giant Star Man on the cover, and the yeah. box was huge because it came with the strategy guide, like in box. Yeah. So you had the Star Man in the center, and then you had you know the reflection of Ness and his visor. You had other characters that were around the the actual main box itself um the way it was made it has a very kind of i won't say off color but a very wacky and zany sense of humor and i always kind of took it as the japanese parody of western culture mm-hmm. and you can definitely see that when you play through the game it's and it's it's got a nice length to it you know it's It'll take you a while to go through it. I started but it's, playing it not too long ago. I didn't get very far into it. I just ha- I didn't have a lot of time to really get into it. But I did watch um, the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd uh, episode that he put out not too long ago, probably about six months ago or so, that he did on Earthbound. And that game looks weird towards the end, man. <laughs> like a yeah, fever dream. Yeah, there's... If you ever play it and you get to the final boss, you will feel like you're on acid. Yeah, that's what it looked like. (laughs) Number three is Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. To me, the greatest Mario game ever made. Oh, eh. 
Well, that's still debatable. We, we've, we've had that debate. We've had that debate before. In my personal opinion, the greatest Mario game ever made, because each Mario game got better. It was like the the more they made, the better they got. And you know, this game introduces the character of Yoshi. It has my favorite power up the the cape. Uh, introduces the Koopa Kids. It, it's just. You know, and it came with the Super Nintendo, so it was like that was your first experience playing that game. Yeah. So it's I think it's, that's why I pick three over Super Mario World. Don't get me wrong, I love Super Mario World. I will play that game all the time till the day I die. But Super, oh, Mario Three introduced the Koopa Kids. There's just Wally something about Super Mario Brothers Three, and I don't know if it's because I, you know, it was because of the wizard. Or whatever it was, it was such a departure. I mean, it was sort of like a mash of Super Mario Brothers one and two, where they kind of combined everything into three, and then you had like the overworld map system. You could once you opened everything up, you could go where you wanted to go. You know, you had the warp systems and all that. It introduced multiple bosses. You know, the Koopa Kids and all that. There's just something about Super Mario Brothers three that just edges it out for me. I mean. That's why you know I I have a complete inbox of Super Mario Brothers three. I have a giant Super Mario Brothers three poster on my wall. You know, it's just there's something about that game that just edges it out over Super Mario World to me. I wonder if it's the same poster in the style of mine. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying we got it from the same place, but yeah, yeah. but no, and, and I I do agree with that about Super Mario three. But I, I think. With the two of us, you know, you grew up on Mario Brothers 3, and I grew yeah. up on Mario World. They're, the games are similar, and they're both very, very good. Yeah. But it's just Mario World just edges it out for me, I think, because of that sentimental value. You know what I think Super Mario World has over Super Mario Brothers 3? And I've noticed this the last couple of years or so that I've been playing both games a lot, especially playing Super Mario All-Stars. And going back and playing part three and then playing Super Mario World. The, the levels in Super Mario Brother 3 are really short. Or at mm. least some of them are. Or well, I'd say probably at least 90% of the levels are pretty short. Um, yeah. but Super Mario World, you know, they really, really stretched out each level and gave you a lot to do um within each level. So, you know, I think that's an advantage that Super Mario World has over three. But I don't know. I mean, they're they're both really great games. I mean, it's like trying to say which is better, you know, pizza or uh, lasagna. Like they're both really good. You know, like I could eat yeah. each one whenever, wherever. Yeah, I, I feel like the levels even got longer in Mario World as you got deeper into the game. Yes, yeah, definitely. Coming in at number two is my all-time favorite Super Nintendo game, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. God, if I... I can't imagine the hours that I have put into this game. You know, I've told the story millions of times about how I was introduced to the Zelda franchise. So, of course, when Link to the Past came out for Super Nintendo, it was a game I had to get and just fell in love with it from the very beginning, from the opening title sequence where the Triforce mm-hmm. merges into one and then the sword comes down. You hear the... 
I just knew I was in for a crazy ride. And I think this is definitely one that we absolutely 100% agree on because Link to the Past is still one of my favorite games of all time, ever. To me, it's there are very, very few flaws, if any, in this game. Yeah. You know, the the story naturally unravels because you don't really know what's going on besides that, you know, your uncle is going to try and save a princess. And then after you find him, you get his, short, his sword and shield and you save the princess. That's when everything kind of starts to unfold. So it's it's really kind of like you're seeing the game through Link's perspective as he's trying to figure out what's going on and you're unraveling everything along with him. You know, introduced the hookshot, one of my favorite Zelda items to have. Uh, it was almost like two games in one because after you fight Aghanim, you go to the dark world mm -hmm. and it's essentially like you're going through the game again. Yeah. But just the dungeons are a decent amount more challenging. Yeah. It's, it's just such, it's such a fun game. I mean, just the, the, the fight mechanics and all the stuff you can do, like just the whole cartoonish way the, the, the world looks and it has that 3d, top-down look to it and you know you can explore wherever you want um you know like the, all the upgrades that you get i mean it's one of the most perfect action rpgs you can actually you could ever play and it's just it's stunningly beautiful and it, it, to this day one of the best looking video games that have ever been made absolutely but it's not my number one. <laughs> Here's where we disagree. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be no surprise to longtime listeners of the show. My number one is Ocarina of Time. You know, and Link to the Past is, is absolutely fantastic. But just the feeling that I got after leaving Kakairi Forest and going out into the, you know, at that time, open world of Hyrule Field was just an amazing feeling that I wish I could go back and relive as yeah. a gamer. It took the whole Zelda franchise to a whole new level. Like to me, it that and Mario, you can make the argument over which one transitioned to 3d better. But to me, you know, Ocarina of time is it, it means more to me than just a video game. Like when I think of my childhood and playing video games, I have very vivid memories of sitting in my room playing this game, staying up till one or one or two in the morning and playing through this game because much like Link to the Past, you know, you go through and you get the the three spiritual stones and then you're like, oh crap, there's the master sword. <laughs> then you pull it out and then you don't know what's going on. You're like, oh shit, I fucked up the world because now Ganondorf's taken over. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you awaken and you're an adult. And you're like, oh, good. Well, now I can actually, you know, kick some ass and not just be a kid. And then you go through all the other temples and save the uh, sages and everything. It's one of those. If I were to make the Zelda franchise into a movie, because I think we had this debate when we did the Zelda roundtable. Ocarina of Time would be my first choice. Like I, it would work better as a series because you could actually flesh out the whole thing, but that would be my choice. And 
for that, among many other reasons, is why Ocarina of Time is my number one. Well, I think maybe the, the, the mechanics, maybe the storytelling device of Ocarina of Time would work. Like, if they were to do a Zelda series like, you know, like the Castlevania series, I think if they were to do like a four-episode or eight-episode first season, I think they should start with like a link to the past. And then each season kind of do like the games do where... You know, each iteration of Link and Zelda throughout history, like they tell different stories and like you get more complicated as you get along. But, you know, for that first season, you would have to have a more simple, bare bones story to kind of get people into it. And I think I think that's what really attracted me to to, uh, a link to the past on the Super Nintendo, because it's a simple story. But the way it unfolds and, you know, the, the more you learn the, about everything as you go along. And then, of course, you finally defeat Aghanim and you think the game's over and then you go to the dark world. And it's just, I think that would make a great series. Like just, you know, eight episode series on Netflix in this style of, you know, a sort of an maybe an anime style like Castlevania. But that's just me. Well, if we ever hear that announcement that a Zelda series has been announced, you will probably hear me scream all the way from that's wherever a, you are. That's what I was going to say. You're going to hear a high-pitched squeal <laughs> <laughs> emanating through the air, and you're going to be like, ah, a Zelda series must have been announced. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. But yeah, that's my top 10 retro, top 10 favorite retro games of all time. I mean, that's a strong list. Right there, you know, I have really nothing to say about any of that. They're all great games, you know. I we may disagree, but on Super Mario World and Super Mario Brothers Three, but you know, we're both a, we're a couple of years apart, so you know, I'm a couple of years older, so I think my, you know, I'm a little skewed more towards the earlier Mario games than you are, but I. You know, the Super Nintendo is still one of my favorite consoles of all time. You know, I think it, it was, you know, it came out at the perfect time. Nintendo was just firing on all cylinders once they got to the Super Nintendo. The only thing is, you know, like coming up on my list, like one of my favorite games of all time is Star Tropics. And I really think they dropped the ball with that game by not putting Zoda's Revenge on Super Nintendo. They, it could still be a franchise to this day if they wouldn't have just, like, I don't understand what they were thinking. Like, when they put that game out in 94, Zoda's Revenge, like, nobody was playing Nintendo at that point, unless you, unless it was like little kids were playing Nintendo at that point, um, because it was either hand-me-down from an older sibling or, you know, the Nintendo was like 40 bucks at that time. So kids, little kids would play, you know, Nintendo and you're putting out this huge RPG at in 1994 when the kids that played it the first time around in 1990, you know, I was in 1990, I was 13 years old when I played Star Tropics and fell in love with that game. Four years later, I'm 17 years old. You know, I'm not playing Nintendo anymore. I'm playing Super Nintendo and really moving into computer gaming at that time. So they really screwed up what the way yeah. they handled that franchise. But, you know, I 
Oh, well. I really wish that one day they would bring Star Tropics back to and do a Switch game for it or something. Do something with that franchise. It's still good. Who knows? Maybe they will one day. I hope so. Stupid Nintendo. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this was but a yeah, good list. That's my list. I was actually thinking about uh, getting the, all the music to everything and playing the background, but that would have been way too much work. <laughs> yeah. No, just reading the list straight up was good. Yeah. Well, next week will be my list, and um, I, I think it's going to be pretty surprising, some of the stuff that's actually moved off of my top 10 list and some of the stuff that landed on my top 10 list. Uh, I mean, it's some of the stuff people pretty much know that I'm going to talk about. Like, I love <coughs> Mega Man is going to be on my list. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but I'm not going to give away anything else. We'll, we'll wait till next week. But, um, but that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Derek, was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, just real quick. I did post last week. I posted a video and audio update on the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And I will say I will be releasing the roast finally on Thursday. Awesome. It I'm is, ready to hear that. It is, just, it is just about finished. I will go ahead and apologize for the audio. It's still not going to sound that great, but I've done pretty much the best I can to fix it. So, well, It'll, at least you had the 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 video or the camera audio to capture. I mean, oh, had had that happened, I would have destroyed my house. <laughs> so next time, uh, just remember, always, always double check. Yep. <laughs> Don't double trust. check everything. Don't trust technology at all. Of course, nope. I welcome our robot overlords. So any AI that's listening, I always trust technology. <laughs> All hail. <laughs> All hail the AI. Um, I don't really have anything to talk about um, on the way out the door this week other than uh, just go follow me on Twitter, I guess, at JFunktastic. That's about it. <laughs> no more PCP show for uh, an indefinite amount of time until I'm ready to uh, kick that show back up. But, um, yeah, that's about it. But I'll always be here with you guys because this show is, uh, this is, um, one of my favorite things to talk about during the week and in my life is retro gaming. I'll, I'll, I'll never let you go retro games. <laughs> yeah. Same here. And I mean, as we've mentioned before, you know, both of us have been not going through the best period right now. So doing it is, it's a good outlet to yeah. be honest. It's a good way to just kind of not worry about anything else and just talk about things that we love. Hell yes. Well, uh, let's go ahead and call it a night. What do you say? Sure. All right, let me play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And also, if you can't afford a dollar or three dollars or five dollars a month, go leave us a review. That helps us out a lot too over on iTunes or wherever you listen to our show at. And also, thank you to everybody that watched us on Twitch. BJ Wanlin talking to me in the chat room. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. And uh, so that's going to about do it for tonight. So, Derek, please tell everyone what it's all about. Wow. Wow.